Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Minnesota Twins leading off SB Nation podcast. Actually, the first place Minnesota Twins podcast with Andrew Gibo and myself, Cooper Carlson. Andrew, over this last week of four games or so, it hasn't exactly felt like a first-place team, though, has it? It certainly has not. Yeah, it was a pretty rough uh, pretty rough stretch of games there. <laughs> the last one in Pittsburgh and then dropping the three to Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you just talked about, Cooper, we are still in first place. You know, we have made the, the leagues going to be cut down, possibly to a half a game, depending on what happens here between the Indians and the White Sox. But the team's still in first place, and you're going to have skids like this, and you know it is magnified given that it is a short season. Everything's multiplied by 2.7. But when the dust settles, they're still in first place. This is still a good team. They're going through a rough patch, but it's not a huge deal. For sure, they go from three and a half up. I think when we ended this last recording last week, and they play four against Pittsburgh, and then uh, three against Kansas City. They of course won the first three against Pittsburgh. Not be pretty by any means. It, you know, they were down 5-0 in the first game, able to come back. Nelson Cruz, couple, next couple games they were able to pull off, but as we all know, they lost the next four, and it just hasn't been good. They're now down to a half-game lead, and it's not looking good, but does it really matter in the long run? Because with 16 teams making the playoffs, eight from each league, the Twins are all but guaranteed a playoff spot with how good they are. If they don't make it, that's just... We'd talk about we'd have, we'd be able to talk about that all off season. I mean, I just don't think that's a possibility, really. So, how worried should you be? How worried should I be? That's a different question. Am I worried? I Absolutely not. Okay. Um, should I be worried? You know, maybe they haven't looked very good. It is a short season. You know, the White Sox are playing well. The Indians have really dominant pitching. Yes, sixteen teams make the playoffs. Two from each division, plus you know that extra wild card. So they absolutely should make the playoffs, but the Central isn't looking as easy as we may have thought it was going to look initially. So there's some concern there, but I absolutely agree this should be a playoff team, barring something really crazy happening in this you know weird shortened season that we have. But assuming this team snaps out of the little funk they're in, plays the way they're supposed to play, plays the way they were playing the first 12 games of the year when they got out to a tail 10-2 start, they're going to be a playoff team and there isn't a ton to worry about. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page there a bit. The, they did start 10-2. and two. The I think it was tied for the best start in franchise history. And in baseball, things tend to balance out, and that's kind of exactly what happened here, except it was just a horrible week all around. You hope they can just kind of find the middle ground here and go finish the season at a respectable record. 40-20 and 20 is, I think, what the pace they would have been at a couple days ago. But, yeah, right now, just hope they can pick it, pick it up, pick it up tomorrow against the Brewers and... Get right back on it, but as you said, they're in a horrible stretch right now. The offense is doing not much since the Cleveland series, just hitting 224 with a 707 OPS, and the bullpen has started to implode, although we haven't seen any of the big arms as much, especially in this Kansas City series. So it's hard to really look at the team as a whole when you're not seeing the best parts. You know what I mean there? 
Absolutely, especially when you got, you know, Donaldson's on the shelf right now. For sure. Oda Rizzi, you know, he just came back. Obviously, he was going to struggle a little bit in that first start. There's not a lot to be worried about there. I think I saw today Steven Strasburg made his first start of the mm-hmm. season after being delayed, and he didn't look very crisp, and hopefully I don't piss anybody off with this, but Steven Strasburg's <laughs> a better pitcher than Jake Oda Rizzi. <laughs> and if he's going to struggle after having that much time off, I think it's understandable that, hey, Oda Rizzi's not going to be as sharp. Not worried about that, uh, you know, having, having Bailey on the shelf as well and Rich Hill, the, those components are being missed. The one thing that was frustrating, at least for me in the Kansas City series was that the, you know, they lost because of one game they couldn't hit. And then the next game when they hit and they put up six runs, well, they give up eight runs. Uh, and, and so it was just kind of like, well, which one is it going to be? Are we going to hit and score a lot of runs or are we going to be having, you know, dominant pitching that can limit the other team to two, three runs if we scrape by with, you know, one run victories? Uh, so that was, the, well, at least for me, that was a frustrating part about the Kansas City series. Yeah, that's a good point. As I said, it kind of balances out as the first, when they went 10-2, and two, they'd have a bad offensive game, but their starting pitcher would go, you know, six great innings, their bullpen would lock it down. Then the next day they'd have an offensive explosion. The pitching didn't matter, be an off day for the pitching, but it didn't matter. Just back and forth, you know, one side would be bad, but the other one would be, would be great. So they'd go 10-2. and two. And now we're seeing the opposite happen, and that's just the results. It's been... Frustrating, and you mentioned Oda Rizzi. He did go just three innings, uh, but two earned runs and threw 71 pitches. Only two strikeouts, but it was about the outing you could expect from a guy in his situation. So I think he should be fine the rest of the season. But yeah. Exactly. And not worried about Jake Oda Rizzi there. Uh, the other thing about the Kansas City series, I think people just kind of probably need to take a step back and understand is that, yes, the Royals, they had like three or four wins going into that series, and they're not supposed to be a very good team in 2020. But they're still a professional baseball team. The guys that you know they're sitting out there are some of the still some of the best players like in the world, right? And so they're capable of winning ball games. And sometimes, even if on paper a team isn't very good, you come in there and they just happen to be hot, right? And you run into a buzzsaw, you run into a hot team, and you have a series like the Twins had in Kansas City, and you just lick your wounds and you move on to the next series and you go on to Milwaukee now and take care of business in Milwaukee and just try to right the ship. No real reason to, to, to panic just now after four bad games. <laughs> no doubt, yeah. Speaking of Kansas City, I'm just going to touch on them a bit. They're, of course, not very good, but they're, I like their core four hitters in the middle there of uh, Hunter Dozier, Adalberto Mondesi. Um, I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, Soler. totally forgetting either. Soler and Merrifield. Yes, Merrifield. I had them all right here, and I forgot their names. But, yes, Soler, Merrifield. Dozier and Mondesi, that's a great core four they've got there, and pretty underrated offense, in my opinion. Yeah, they have, they have some nice pieces. I mean, Alex Gordon can still play left field For really sure. well. So Sal Perez can hit the ball. Yeah, Jack Morris thinks he's going to the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> Jack Morris. Not even going to get into that. He's <laughs> Royals got some pieces. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. They're not a bad, I mean, yes, they are. They're a really bad team, but they can still win games and pull off the occasional sweep like this one. Exactly. They, it probably won't happen. Games. Exactly. The Twins will play them. They play, I think, two more series in like the next two weeks, too. They so do. We'll yeah, see I, was look, I was looking at this Twins schedule, and so they have the three against the Brewers, and then we have four right. at home against the Royals, three more against the <laughs> Brewers at home, and then another three against the Royals right. in Kansas City. And then they don't play the Royals again this season. Or the Brewers, for that matter. It's kind of weird that schedule works that way. That is very it is strange. What it is. Yeah. At least we'll be tired of them by then. Maybe we'll, by then, you know, by the 23rd when we're still playing Kansas City, we'll, the offense will pick up. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll <laughs> finally figure guys. out Brady Singer. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, that's he actually he's great. He's a good story because he pitched just one year in the minors, right? And he was just called up this 20, year and twenty eighteen yeah. first round draft pick. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You never see that anymore, but interesting. He was good today, but Twins should be able to hit off a guy like that. They weren't. It is what it is. That's just how it goes sometimes. So the Royals were able to just shut down the Twins, and it is what it is. I mean, it sucks obviously, but should you be worried? Probably not. If they if they just don't perform in this Brewers series, and then if they lose the next two series, and we're here next week talking about a 500 Twins team, then yes, maybe looking, then. But looking up in the division, then exactly. yeah, at that point, then it's kind of like, oh, wait a minute, maybe we should be a little concerned. But as of right now, no. For sure. Yeah, the first little skid of skid or slide of the season shouldn't be worried about, especially after a 10 and 2 start. Exactly. Right. So that's settled then. Yeah, so the offense, as we mentioned, is struggling. Their stat cast team ranks, which they were really good in these last year. Like, Cruz and Sano were fighting for that top spot with, like, Aaron Judge, but that was about it. And, like, hard hit percentage and exit velocity. The exit, or the hard hit percentages right now are funny because the Twins are 24th, the Detroit Tigers are in first, and the Brewers, who the Twins will play next, are in last. So this could just be the softest hitting series you've ever seen coming up with these two not very capable offensive teams, I guess, but... Yeah, Who would have thought going, going well. into the 2020 <laughs> exactly. season if you talk about a twin series and saying, you know, stop the sitting team. Right, I mean, exactly. That, that wasn't part of the script. Yeah, or going into Detroit saying, you know, you got to all outfielders to the wall here. Back up. These guys are hitting it big. <laughs> are you kidding me? CJ Crone carrying the squad. Which is incredible. I mean, good for CJ. I always like right, He's having a great year. I think sure. it's also a thing we talked about with the Twins. You know, things are going to even themselves out. I think that's what's going to happen with the Tigers, too. They're not an elite <laughs> offensive team. They're not going to lead the league at hard hit rate. No. Yeah. Well, I certainly – you'd think it's going to happen soon. They'll turn back into the uh, not good team that they are. There's no other way of putting it. They're an awful team. They should lose 100 in a 60-game season. Like, they're just that bad. It's. Yes. I'm amazed they've won this many games. <laughs> As am I. Right, and right now, the Twins – are the team just below them right now in hard hit rate is the Baltimore Orioles. Ooh, I mean, what team would you compare the Twins to other than the Baltimore Orioles, honestly? So that's certainly not what was expected. But yeah, offense has been lackluster of late, but you know, they've, everyone's has kind of, and the Twins have the players to back it up. Us moving on, just key staying on the Kansas City series. The bullpen management and other managerial decisions, such as uh, moving the infield in in the first inning. Were you a fan of any of that? Did you do you like the infield in early innings? Yes and no. It's kind of a situational thing. I suppose. I think I think in today's today's game it made sense. They had just dropped the first two and they're trying to get out with at least one 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 win. Pardon me. And last thing you want to do is fall behind even more early on and bring the infield in with a runner on third. You put yourself in a situation where you can potentially limit the damage or it can backfire and the ball can get through that otherwise wouldn't have and then an additional run scores and that's what ended up happening. But just in general, yeah, I think bring the infield in with a runner on third and yeah, less than two outs, just go ahead and do it. If you have an opportunity to limit the damage early on, it makes sense to do it. I think I'm actually opposite you there. I didn't like it at all. I wasn't a fan. The first inning, you're going against Brady Singer. Of course, they did only get two runs this game, but that's not what should be expected. You should be able to score off this guy. It should have been expected. And giving up a run in the first inning in exchange for an out is better than what actually happened, which was a single, pretty sharply hit. I think it was 99 miles per hour, right where Luis Arise would have been. 
Instead, it scored two runs. Twins were down 2-0 early, and it looked like a horrible decision. Of course, I get this advantage because it didn't work. If it had worked, you'd look like the smarter person, but it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's how baseball works, yeah. It's just it's kind of one of those decisions that it, it can definitely backfire, which is what happened today, but if it right. works out in their favor and the guy hits a hard line, you know, short ground ball right at the shortstop, and they can hold the runner at third and get the out, we're having a completely different conversation, and maybe the Twins win the game. Yeah, you're right. I guess it's situational, and if it does work, I'm a fan of it. That's just, uh, I would be on the completely, I'd go, that's a great move, Rocco, but yeah, because it didn't, I'm not a fan at all, and I don't think you should have done it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, as I said, the bullpen management as well, that was a very hot topic among Twitter, because uh, <laughs> Sean Poppin, I think, threw 50 pitches yesterday. Did he throw twice in the series, or was it? He threw in the Pirates game. I think he threw twice. He threw in Kansas City. Again. Honestly, I don't. I'd have to look. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure it was the first and second game he threw in Kansas City. And then today they had called Cody Gearin up from. I didn't even forget he was on the team. And he comes in, pitches two innings when the Twins are down by just one or two runs. And it's, that was just kind of how the whole series went. Uh, May hasn't pitched since Tuesday. Duffy since Wednesday. Rogers and Romo since the series finale in Pittsburgh on Thursday. So none of those four uh, pitched in the entire. Kansas City series. Bit surprising, and Lewis Thorpe, guys like Lewis Thorpe, Sean Poppin are getting innings. Thorpe is at an abysmal start to his season, and I wouldn't be surprised yes. if he's if he's gone soon when either Rich Hill or Homer Bailey make their way back. So, yeah, yeah I think I think yeah, he's definitely the the first man out when we get some healthy arms back. And regarding the bullpen usage, I mean, I don't necessarily know what what Rocco's thinking and what the decision process is inside the Twins clubhouse. I, I just think that it could be a situation where you know we have seen a lot of injuries to pitchers early on with this really short ramp up period, and so I think it might just be very cautious bullpen management and just trying to limit the usage on his elite arms. They may have gone into this series against Kansas City with a plan to really not use their A weapons unless there's a situation where they had to hold on to a one-run lead late in the game type of deal and just game plan to, hey, we're going to roll with the B arms, so to speak, right, to save our, our best bullets for the rest of the year type of thing. Um, and maybe it backfired on them. I don't know for sure, but that was just kind of the feeling that I got was this was a strategic planned out move going into the Kansas City series. That's a good point, yeah. I just, I guess I'm never really a fan of the guys like May and Duffy going four to, four to six days without throwing a pitch in a live game. I think it doesn't make sense, especially when you're presented opportunities like a one run deficit. I mean, as you said, maybe it was planned, maybe they're having them do something else or something, but it, the season's going on, I guess, so I'm just, I'd love to see them in real games here. It's just packing it in in the fifth inning down by one run, like, Throwing Lewis Thorpe or Jorge Alcala in there just, it's disheartening, I guess, cause you're like, well, you still got a chance here, what are you doing? Looks like you're not even, looks like you've given up already, so it's just a bit frustrating to see that. Absolutely, I think, you know, again, touching on what I just said, it, you also run yeah. the risk is you don't want to overuse your, your best arms early on with this short ramp up and, and have injuries start to surface in your bullpen. And so it could just very well be a situation where they're just really trying to pace them out, limit their usage, and, and just keep them healthy throughout the full 60 games. Yeah, that's true. I think Rodgers has done like five and like 16. How many games have they played this year? It has been 16, yeah. I think yeah, Rodgers has appeared six. like five of the 16 games. It's just I'd like to see him a bit more just to get him in there and win a few more games. But it is what it is. They're 10-6. and six. I can't complain too much, even though I really want to. 
I hate being a good baseball team, man. It makes us less fun. Such as not our conversation from last week. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really. But yeah, so all that, it's, there's probably more going on than just what we see on the outside. There always is, but so frustrating to lose three in a row, four in a row, and not see any of these big guns really given an opportunity to hold the twin. I'm not, in, in the end, these guys that came in didn't do awful. It's just that seeing them come in instead of these guys is just odd. But, oh well, they lost four in a row and probably would have anyway, so. Exactly, but say, I don't, I don't think the decision to not use Duffy Romo Rogers right. is the reason why they lost or got For swept sure. by Kansas City. It's just, they probably, yeah, they would have lost regardless. If they came into the game. Yeah. Down by two runs and they get the hold and they don't, they don't allow Kansas City to score anymore, but then the offense doesn't score on their, you know, their turn. Oh, then what good does it really do to use those bullets out of Romo? Right. It was more of a in the moment thing. Like when you're down four to two in the sixth inning and you bring in Cody Gearin instead of Trevor May, it's like, all right, well, you're just giving up, but. You know, it's not, it's not yeah. bad. It's not bad on Cody Gearin. Okay. Hey, <laughs> he did good today. I'm just saying he, did. he, he pitched well. out of nowhere. He was just kind of. Here's Cody Gearin, and now he's pitching. He's like, where'd this guy even come from? But all right. <laughs> Came from San yeah. Francisco at one point. Yeah, how long ago was that? I saw you tweet that out. That was it was a while ago. I think they yeah. got rid of him in 17, and he was bounced around to the Yankees okay. and the Mariners. And, yeah. To see how little I knew about Cody Gearin, when he was called up this morning, I went on his baseball reference page going, all right, let's see what this 22-year-old's about. And he was 33. I was like, Are you, what? I had no idea who this guy even existed. But... And I'm, and I'm talking about baseball here, it is. Oh well. Yeah, that's alright. <laughs> so yeah, anyway. Moving on to our weekly segment, segments of Worried or Whatever. Last week was the beginning of it. This week we have two re- repeat guys on there, Mitch Garver and Miguel Sano. We will also touch on the starting rotation and then the Chicago White Sox will be in there this week. Because they are now 8-7. and seven. This Cleveland game is still going on, but it looks like they're gonna lose to be 8-8, eight and eight, so. But that's not guaranteed yet, so I'm not going to say anything. But we'll touch on those four things, starting with Mitch Garver, who has had an awful start to his season. He's batting 094 with a 250 on base, overall 438 uh, OPS. It's just hasn't been horrible. His defense hasn't been good. It's just it's been a mess out there. What do you think? Right there with you with Mitch. We talked about Mitch last week, and you know, kind of echo that same sentiment. And the first thing is expectations and just understanding that Mitch Garver isn't going to be the Best hitting catcher in the league. Um, and thing is, I, yeah, right now I, he's the worst hitting catcher. Exactly, and I think that he's putting a lot of pressure on himself as well yeah. to repeat that. And he definitely just kind of looks lost. He looks frustrated at the plate, and, and the, the part that is also kind of tough to see is it looks like to some extent he's carrying that offensive frustration with him to, on the defensive side, and he's just kind of struggling with blocking a lot of pitches, a lot of, you know, pass balls and runs scoring because of it. He's not really throwing out a lot of runners, and he needs to get on For track. Sure. Yeah, that new stance he has, the one leg, one knee on the ground, and then these very, very right-handed slider-heavy twins like to throw those in the dirt. And that's hard to block when you're on a knee, and we've seen that come up a lot this year already, a lot today, for sure. And it is what it is. I mean, he's not going to change his whole catching motion. He's He was good at it last year. He'll hopefully get back to it this year and but yeah he's been just horrible there's no easy way of putting it he is definitely what I'm most worried about probably on the entire team it's just I came in with expectations of of course not what he did last year but something close and it's just 
nothing. He's one of the worst hitters in the league. He's probably got the worst average. I didn't look at that. But under 100 is, well, you know, it's not terrible. good. His OPS is like what his slugging percentage was last year, except it was better than that. But <laughs> yeah, he's off to a horrible start. He slugged start like 630 last year. Really? Oh, I suppose you're right. Yeah, he's got an OPS plus right now of 28, 100 points down from what he was last year. Just it's it hasn't been good, and hopefully he can pick it up soon. The Twins absolutely need him. Luckily, Avila has been good at filling in, but yeah, they're gonna yeah, need Garber. Yeah. yeah, I mean Avila's got an 800 OPS right now. <laughs> I thought I would have switched the two OPSs if you had given it to me at the beginning of the season, but weird. Exactly. Who would have thought, yeah, Mitch Garber would have a 438 OPS and Alex Avila has an 800 OPS. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we all thought. But, yeah, Garber, it's tough. Hopefully he's not on this list next week, or hopefully he's just someone we talk about as way to pick it up, Mitch. But I don't know. Not looking like it. Yes. Hopefully he goes from a worried to a whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yes, right now, to classify him in either of our categories, he is a worried, and it's not even a debate. It's Moving on to the new... worried. Right, absolutely. The new first baseman in town. Not new, just moved over there, but Miguel Sano. He's hitting 122 with a 163 on base, 553 OPS. Better than Mitch Garber, but he does have a current... He currently has a career-high swinging strike percentage at 18.4%. He's been around 15 his whole career, but... Yeah, that's not good. He's look, been looking lost, not catching up with the fastball. Does have three home runs, but that was two came in one game when he looked locked in, and exactly. all the other games have not looked good. I'm not I, so with Miguel. I guess I'm sort of more on the leaning towards the whatever side. He just looks the timing isn't there. Um, he doesn't look like completely abysmal. It just looks like he just doesn't have the timing in his swing right now to consistently get the barrel on the ball. But when he has, the results have been there. We talked about three home runs, and the home runs that he's hit have been just absolute lasers. So it's there for him. It's just a matter of getting that consistency again and, and getting his timing. So for those reasons, I'm not necessarily overly worried about Miguel Sano right now. Yeah, last year, if he was doing this at the same time, or I guess same amount of games in the season, I would have been definitely worried. But after seeing what he did last season and seeing him learn throughout the off seasons these past two and just the influence he's got, I think he's I think he's gonna be all right. Plus the fact that he had uh, COVID and he missed a lot of the sec- spring training too, didn't get much time to really focus in and get ready for the season as much as the others. Uh, this is, I guess, normal for someone who had his situation. I think he will pick it up as well, and he's got the confidence. He know he knows he's good and he knows he can do it. I mean. Give it one more week. I hope next week he's up there 700 OPS or something, and he's got you know a couple more home runs. I think he'll be all right. So no, it's interesting. He is. Yeah, I think we agree. He's, he's kind of more of a, of a whatever at this point. With some concern, uh, it's just a matter of how quickly can he get the bat going. If we're having this conversation again next week and his numbers haven't drastically improved, then it's a different conversation. For sure. Yeah, because this is his second week here, although. You know, in two weeks, the small sample size is just how some people will start. But yeah, right I now, whatever. On, I touched on this this last <laughs> week when we talked about Miguel Sano in this same segment. And his defense, it's not necessarily like a huge problem. It's just there's been some plays at first base where you can just tell that he's not necessarily fully comfortable there. And I think it was today on the mm-hmm. ball that I think it was Jorge Soler hit. That yeah. kind of that little excuse me single through the shift, right, that scored the runs off that slider. And right. 
he he has to know right that they're shifted for a right-handed hitter and Arise is going to be playing more towards the center field side of second base. And the soon as the ball's off the bat, Miguel takes like one step towards the ball and then he goes back to the bag. In that situation, you got to get that ball at least lay out for it, get leather on it, stop it at least you know, hold at least one run from scoring. And it's a little those quick decisions that right now at first base that I kind of feel like he just doesn't he's not fully comfortable at that position yet. For sure, he's looked about how I expected him to over there defensively. That play you mentioned today it was he was literally the only one within like 300 feet of that ball. It was <laughs> the replay was you couldn't see anyone else. Was, yeah, and then but, he yeah. just breaks to the bag. Right, it was just confusing. Like he just his you know probably just got caught or. Something I don't know. I have no idea what happened, but it was Forgot a they play were shifted. Exactly. If that's what it was, that's not good, but it seemed likely. And it was. I mean, it was really one of the first, maybe one or two or three mistakes I've really noticed. I haven't noticed a ton except him really coming off the bag at the wrong time or something. But nothing too drastic like that one. I guess. Have you noticed anything? No. Again, it's it's been minor little things. Right. I'm not okay. like a defensive guru or anything. It's just yeah, little same. things I've noticed on. <laughs> Some ways he's, you know, fielded some plays in terms of not knowing which balls he should try to get to or when to cover the bag and the play today. And I think it's just, it'll, that will iron itself out the more he plays first base, the more comfortable he gets. Just early on, adjusting to a new position, going from one side of the diamond to the other, there's going to be an adjustment and we're just seeing it play out in real time. For sure. It's what we all expected. And yeah, he's, he's all right over there. But yeah, moving on, the, so Miguel Snow, whatever, but. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Moving on now. The starting rotation. Uh, the starters are averaging just four and two-thirds innings per start. They've had, I think, nine different guys starts in 16 games. It's been just kind of guys like Lewis Thorpe. Uh, I mean, Tyler Clippard started one game, but that was just the bullpen game they did. A lot of different guys in there. But the ERA is just 294, a 3.8 FIP, and a very low K per nine of 6.53. It's They've been up and down. Some starts have been good. Some starts have been... Not so good. A lot of this, the innings for start is dragged down by guys like Oda Rizzi. Also, I did cancel out Clippard starts. That does not count in this stat. But yeah, like Oda Rizzi and Thorpe, they didn't go very far. But what do you think about the rotations, the rotation so far? The, the lack of innings, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I think that we're seeing this kind of across Major League Baseball. And it's something that I was kind of anticipating we would see just given this short ramp up period with the, the spring training 2.0. If pitchers aren't necessarily being fully stretched out, if we start, if we get another maybe two weeks into the season and we're still looking at starting pitchers averaging 4.2 innings per start, that's a problem. But the early on right now, I think the, the innings limit, if you want to call it a limit, does make sense for them. And then that will eventually just kind of correct itself as the pitchers get more innings and they get more stretched out and we get further into the season. Cause overall, the numbers have been there. Like I said the 2.94 ERA, uh, the six and a half strikeout per nine. Those are solid enough numbers. We've gotten some good starts. I mean, the start Randy Dobnak had in Pittsburgh was phenomenal. So it's, 
I'm not necessarily worried about the starting pitching rotation right now. Okay. Sure. Yeah, and they have had, they have had some injuries with guys like uh, Hill and uh, Bailey both going on the IL early. Odorizzi to start the season, but he is back now. But yeah, Dobnik has been easily the number one out there. Maeda probably number two. Burrios number three, and then you've got a bunch of guys packed in for that. Who's been fourth and fifth best? It's just hopefully they can like figure itself out in there. You can actually get a solid five guys instead of this. Uh, rotation they've currently got going of just injuries and substitutions and pushing guys back and that's how it's going to go in a 60 game season we have seen a ton of pitchers just across the league either just go on the 10 day IL or just out for season with elbow or shoulder pitchers are going to be getting hurt all over the place this year and the twins have done not a I mean they've all they have had two guys go down but better than some teams for sure who have just had like their whole bullpen or rotation just kind of suffer a lot of stuff Exactly, and that's kind of, we can circle back to the conversation earlier about the bullpen. I think saving a lot of those arms in the bullpen could eventually be a good thing in the long run as we kind of continue to see starting pitching struggles league-wide. Having a healthy, strong, dominant back end of your bullpen can potentially win the Twins a lot of games maybe into September. Yeah, that's a good point. It's, yeah, it is frustrating right now to see the lack of usage, but down the road, I think you're right, it will pay off, and we'll be looking back at this day going, well, I'm glad they didn't use Trevor May in a game that they lost or something, but yeah. <laughs> been, exactly. It, but the rotate, yeah, the rotation's been odd, it's been weird, but at the same time, it has its bright spots. Maeda's look great, Dobnek, uh, he's, I'm still not, I don't know, it's hard to buy it, man, he's just came out of nowhere. I love him. He's been great. He's got the greatest ERA in baseball history or something. So that's great. But <laughs> I don't know. The rest, confusing. But overall, the rotation, whatever for you with me, I don't think you're worried. Um, yeah, I'm really not worried at all about the starting rotation right now. it will be nice once we get uh, Hill and, and Bailey back in there to eat up some more innings, you know, quality innings preferably. But, yeah, no, no major concerns right now with the starting rotation or the pitching staff just in general. Okay, sure. Yeah, sounds good. And moving on to the White Sox then, who I'm really hoping this game would finish. We're recording this as they're in the bottom of the 10th. They're not, they're now in a rain delay. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But yeah, I was hoping just we could finalize a record here. But right now, before this game finishes, they are eight and seven. Uh, they are what, one and a half games out of first place from the Twins. And, uh, with a win, they'd be half game out. Yep. But yeah, the White Sox, they've been, they won. Started out one and four, proceeded to win like four or five in a row. And now they're right back in it with the Indians, Twins, and Detroit Tigers for some reason. But yeah, they're all in it. Even the Royals <laughs> are now three and a half out. It, this whole central division's just been good. No one expected it, but what are your thoughts on the White Sox? They've been better than I thought they would be. They've kind of been right where I thought they were going to be. Um, they got, they got off to a slow start, like you mentioned, the one and four start. They're turning around as of late. They're playing good ball. The White Sox, they have good pieces. They have good players. And I definitely think that they pose more of a legitimate threat than the Indians do. Uh, really? Johnson, oh. Yeah. I mean, the Indians have better pitching. Yeah. I think, yeah. but the no White Sox offense. can definitely, yeah, the, exactly. The White Sox, they have offense. They can put up runs. They can bash with the Twins, right? Um, but uh, overly worried, no. In, especially in 2020, because every team makes the playoffs, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. O- over a full 162, I would be 
even less worried about the right. White Sox, okay. right? But just right. given that it's a 60 game season, there is some concern that, hey, they might, they could maybe win the division. I don't say they're going to. I think the Twins are still a better yep. team. But even if they do win the division, again, everybody makes the playoffs. So not overly worried. For sure. The White Sox, they've got Moncada, Grandal, Abreu, Jimenez, Robert. Um, they've just got like the pieces that if they all click at the same time, this could be the best team in baseball for a period of time. Of course, it couldn't last over 162. It likely couldn't last for even 60, but you never know. Luis Robert has just, he's going to be in this, messing with this Twins team for years to come. He's already doing, he's, he's great. He's fun to watch, but yeah, that kid is that, him he's and special. Yohan Moncada, man. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a great duo on that, on that team for years. And that's not going to be fun for me. I wish they were anywhere else, but. And not, I haven't whatever. seen how he's doing, but they brought up their top prospect, uh, Madrigal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had, I think, a few hits in his first game. He's not playing tonight, so I'm not quite sure his stats because they're not readily available to me. And I, it'd take me a while to look him up, but he's, I think he's, yeah, another top guy who will be in there for a long time. And White Sox, to me, I guess I did expect him to be a, I expect him to be 500, no more, maybe less, but. Yeah, they're right as I said, eight and seven. So about what I expected, but they've just come back from one and four and just played really hot. They've the run differential is still negative. I don't know how much that means to you, but the Twins are like plus twenty three. So if that differentiates between the two teams even more, that's great. But yeah, the White Sox they've got Giolito, Keuchel, and then their the rest of the rotation is a big question mark for me. I don't know, they're inconsistent. Exactly. That's why I'm not worried about the White Sox. Also, Nelson Cruz seems to love hitting against them. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, let's get them back in town, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we just skip the Royal Series? And just... <laughs> Didn't think I'd be saying that, but yeah, let's get the Royal. I'm done with the Royals. That's enough of yeah. that. Don't want to play them anymore. <laughs> right, so White Sox, I, we know what they're capable of. I think nothing that they do will really surprise us. They could lose the rest, and I wouldn't be surprised. They could win the rest, and I wouldn't be surprised. Be like, yep, that's the White Sox. They get really streaky. But yeah. Also, of course, both of those are not true. If they won the rest of their games, I'd probably quit talking about baseball, because that is insane. That uh, would be absurd. <laughs> yeah, but also the next team in here, the Detroit Tigers, I couldn't be less worried about them. I think they could potentially lose the rest of their games, and I'm not even joking about that. They're awful. There's no way they should be this good. They're 8-5. Yeah. and five. Completely agree. And actually, so the, Joe Maurer last year in uh, 2019, he he had an interesting point. He was talking about playing, like, when you play bad teams versus when you play good teams. And he said that when you play bad teams early in the season, it's not as advantageous. You'd rather play a bad team late in the season. Because early in the season, bad teams don't necessarily sure. know they're bad yet. They still think they have a chance. And especially in this, you know, shortened 60-game season, the Tigers are probably telling themselves, we have a chance. We can do this. And so they're, they're coming out and they're, they're playing out of their minds. Eventually that's going to catch up with them. Their lack of talent is eventually going to show and they're not going to be very good. So if we played the Tigers at the end of September, it will probably be a much easier matchup than playing them right now. Maybe the same with the, you can say the same thing about the Royals. Yeah, and I think that's, that's kind of where we're at with the Tigers right now is they're coming out hot and they're a feel-good story. They're they're crushing the baseball. They lead the league in hard-hit percentage, but that's not really who they are. And eventually when we get enough games into this season, it's going to even itself out and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, the Tigers are not a very good team. For sure. And if there's one person that knows about bad teams, it is Joe Maurer. So I'm going to trust him on that. My God, that 
2011 to 14 stretch was horrible. But yeah, as you said, the Tigers are in like second place. The Marlins are in first place. The Rockies are in first place. Maybe the Rockies are good. They're a weird team. I don't know. But that's just funny. On the, right. the, the hard hit rate uh, metric that Mike Petriello threw sure. out there, the Rockies are like second to last in the right. league next to the Brewers. And yet they're <laughs> in first place. Their whole thing is supposed to be offense and Coors. They're not supposed to have any pitching ever. Like, yeah, that's no. just not what happens. Odd. Yeah, so they'll probably balance out soon. The Marlins, I don't know. Maybe they're good. They're, they're the weirdest team in baseball history at the moment. So I'm just going to let that play out. I, it's kind of fun to just pay attention to, but whatever. But it's the Orioles, right. The Orioles are actually 502. Like, just these bad teams are playing well. I don't know what's going on. Because right now they think they still have a chance and that's yeah. what Morneau was talking about is just when you play a bad team early in the season, it can be a tough matchup because they still think they have a chance. And then when you get later in the season and they're 30 games below 500 and they're thinking about, you know, their offseason vacations. All right. Hang on. You said Joe Mauer the first time and Justin Morneau the second time. Who was it? It was, it was more narrow because he does the <laughs> right. broadcasting. Right. I so if I, if I said Mauer in the beginning, okay. do you apologize? No, oh. I, I figured it might be more now, but I was going to go with it. And I was like, where? Oh, press conference or something? But yeah, okay. That makes more sense. Just making sure. It is. My apologies. It was no, yeah, more now. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. All right. So that's there. The, I mean, it's what, it's worried for Mitch Garver, whatever for Miguel Sano, whatever for the rotation and the White Sox. It's kind of in the middle. Just kind of, we know what the capable of Tigers. It's to just get out of here. You know, they'll be, lose every game the rest of the year. Moving on from there, unless you got anything else to say, you think you're good there? I think we're good. All right, awesome. This week you wrote about how would it feel to to win the 2020 World Series. Do you want to kind of take us through there, what you wrote about there? Yeah, absolutely. For anyone who's curious, I did write this article for Twins Daily. So if you go on twinsdaily.com, you'll you'll see the article there. And it's just an idea that I had of just kind of this, what would the fan experience be like for winning a championship in, in 2020? As people probably know about me, I'm obnoxious about it to this point. I am a Giants fan. <laughs> I lived through, you know, my team winning three World Series titles in five years while I was in high school and college, and I got to experience what that felt like, you know, as a fan. And, and one night I was just thinking, you know, how different would this be in 2020? And what would it mean for a, a fan base like Minnesota that hasn't had a championship in, in nearly three decades? And then you, you finally get one, and it's, you know, a lot of the things that, come with that championship are, are non-existent and, and what would that feel like would it leave something to be desired whereas if you're a, a city like boston or even san francisco at this point or any any market that's won recently or they've won multiple in the last couple of decades it may not be as big of a deal because you know you've already had a lot of that that fanfare that excitement that comes with winning the championship and so if it's if it's not there you may not miss it as much but for Fan base like Minnesota, or Cleveland, Milwaukee, San Diego, Los Angeles, where they haven't won in nearly three decades or ever in franchise history, and then you finally get that championship, and you can't really celebrate it and appreciate it in a lot of the ways that we're accustomed to as sports fans. Yeah, it was it was a really good article. I went and read it. I think a few minutes after you published it on, and it was on Twitter. But yeah, um, for, here's what I was kind of thinking. So I have never experienced. Any championship in Minnesota. It's sad, I know, but that's just how it's go- it goes. Last one was 91 for the Twins. I mean, I don't watch the WNBA, but the Lynx went on their run. I didn't pay attention to that as much, but for the four sports I watch, NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, I've never experienced anything really close to a championship. 
don't get me started on the Vikings. No, not even close. Never. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it, I don't, it can't feel different to me because I've never had it. I mean, I don't know if I would notice the lack of stuff going on just because I've never known what there usually is. For people who have experienced the 91 World Series, 87 World Series, maybe it would be, I mean, I'm sure it would be much different than they've known, but I don't know. For someone like me or people around my age, do you think it would be that big of a deal or do you think you went through, what was your first championship like? Was it like, this is exactly what I expected or? I don't so know. I've never for done me, it. it. It was 2010. Uh, right. with the Giants and it was, it was kind of this, this feel good story. The 2010 Giants weren't really supposed to be that good. I mean, their lineup consisted of Andres Torres and Freddie Sanchez and Juan Uribe and Aubrey Huff, among others. Okay. Nate Sheerholtz, if anybody even knows that name. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they, they bring in, they sign Cody Ross and Pat Burrell and then Edgar Renteria gets healthy in the postseason and, they go on this magical run where they were supposed to lose every postseason series. Like the Phillies were supposed to just destroy them. And then the Giants end up taking the series in, I think, five or six games. And Cody Ross hits two home runs against Roy Holiday. Rest in peace. So it, and it was very special and it was very magical and it was very electric. You know, I remember, you know, when the night they won and everyone, the city, the streets of San Francisco are just flocked with people celebrating in the streets and then, you have the World Series parade and it's just this magnificent electric moment where an entire city comes together to celebrate, you know, their team winning their, their first championship in 52 years since they moved to San Francisco. And a lot of that stuff just, it wouldn't exist. And, and it's not necessarily that, that I'm trying to say that it would be diminished or that it wouldn't be as enjoyable or that we shouldn't root for the Twins to win a World Series because we're not going to have these festivities. It was just simply a question of, hey, as a fan, you've waited for you, Cooper. Like, you're, you've waited your yeah. entire life for this. Yeah. Would you prefer it? To not, I guess prefer is maybe the wrong word, but like, would you rather it be in a year where you can go to a parade with millions of people in, in downtown Minneapolis? Or would you just be okay? And it's like, hey, we won a World Series this year, and, I, and I'm ecstatic about it. Yeah. Oh, man, I... I think if they, obviously, I would love them for them to win it this year. If it happens, I will have zero complaints. I won't say, well, I wish it was a different year. If they win it this year, that is awesome. Of course, I would rather have the parade and all that, but it's, I'm not going to be like, well, I'd, I'd rather win it next year. I'd rather win it both years. I mean, if they can win it this year, do it. Like, I'm not going to be mad about it. Plus, it's much different for me. I live three hours away from the, the Minneapolis area anyway, and I, and it's, uh, you know, I've never celebrated championship in my life. Everything would be a lot smaller for me up here anyway. So I don't know. Okay. I can't relate to it as much as like someone who lived through 91 and also lives in the area like you do. It's just, okay, if, I don't if, know. We, if, if we had a World Series parade downtown, it'd be going right by my apartment. So yeah, really. See, I, <laughs> I'd be watching it on TV or making my way up there for a day trip or something. But yeah, I mean, I'd probably end up going to it, of course, because I've been waiting my whole life for this. So. But as you said, like storming the street, being in the streets and all that, I wouldn't experience any of that. It'd be my small town here. Just maybe a light would turn on or something. I don't know. <laughs> maybe just some fireworks. <laughs> yeah, yeah thing exactly. too that, that really got me thinking about it is one of the, like the best, we'll just say the best moments of my life, really. Maybe that shows how pathetic my life is. But <laughs> No, it'd be for was, me too. It was in 2014. I, I was at NLCS Game 5 against Giants Cardinals and Travis Ishikawa, minor league journeyman, who was a first baseman playing left field, 
hits a walk-off <laughs> home run against Michael Walker to send the Giants to the World Series. And I'm sitting there Man. at AT&T Park watching this happen. And it was the most electric, like, exciting moment of my life. And I'm sitting there going, like, wow, that would really – it's a, a wrong word, but it would suck, right, for Twins fans that you – so you have a moment like that where I don't know, Miguel Sano hits a walk-off home run against the Yankees in Game 5 of the ALCS – to send the Twins to the World Series, and all we can do is just jump up and down at home. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I Man, I wish I had more experience in this stuff. It was like, <laughs> it's really depressing, but, yeah, I, I got to stick with if they won it this year, no matter how they did it, it, you know, not being able to celebrate, I guess, it would be it would be wonderful. It would be the first time I ever get any of it, and then the next time I do it next year, I'd be able to enjoy it even more, hopefully, so... <laughs> Let's just do it two years in a row for me. Let's, I mean, let's just make it happen. Yeah. Exactly. Let's just it, let's just be repeat. And that's kind of, that's that's you know like most of the feedback I've gotten on that article. Which by the way, if you want to give feedback, let me know on Twitter right. at Jeebo with three underscores G E B as in boy O three underscores. Message me whatever it is. Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me you disagree. Whatever. <laughs> let's, have, let's have a discussion about it. Honestly, just curious how Minnesota sports fans feel about this. But early on, a lot of the reaction that I've gotten has been consistent with what you're saying, Cooper, is people are just kind of like, hey, you know what? We've waited nearly 30 years for this. I don't right. care how it happens. I just want to get so desperate. <laughs> and that's completely fair, right? Like, I don't, I'm not saying that you should or should not feel one way or the other. It's just sort of a, I guess, philosophical question of as a sports fan who's waited this long for this, how would this feel? For sure, yeah. It's interesting. It's a great question. It's something I could talk about for a long time, but we are coming right up on 45 minutes here, which is where we are going to be cutting these off most of the time now from now on, just to keep it short and to the point, more interesting, and hopefully keep people listening, because that's the goal here. So you got anything more to add there? Are you good? I do not. I think we've touched on it all. I guess I'll just throw it out there again. If you have any other thing you want to say about this idea, just holler at me at Twitter. Let me know what you think. More than happy to, to have a conversation with you about it. For sure. Either one of us at Gbo with two underscores, correct? Three. Three. Jeez. <laughs> Three underscores. It, they, they wouldn't let me, man. Twitter. So I don't want. Okay, I got a little backstory. I wanted to just go with my okay, last cool. name at Gbo. Yeah. That's all anyone ever really calls me is Gbo. Right. Twitter won't let me have a four character oh, handle, okay. <laughs> and so I kept adding underscores until Twitter finally says, "Okay, that's good." And so I was like, "All right." So I just have three underscores now. Nice. That's good. Well, mine's just at Coop Carlson because the guy that has at Cooper Carlson is not tweeted in two years, but his account's still up. So I've tried getting a hold of him, but whatever. So just at Coop Carlson. That's that. Tweet at one of either one of us. Tell us what you thought about this podcast, what you thought about this discussion, and yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good night.